Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into assorted short films in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Every once in a while, I kind of end up falling down a rabbit hole of short film obsession. Uh, You know, it's happened, it generally happens in like the January, February, Marches of the year. Um, That's kind of around the time when I'm trying to catch up on the short films nominated for the Academy Awards that year, and generally when they're first available to me. And you know, you, I just, you, it's in your head and becomes so easy to watch, you know, a dozen short films in the same amount of time that it takes to watch a single feature. And while generally speaking, one short film, even five short films is not going to provide an, as much statistic, statistical influence as one feature film is going to provide, uh, just like the quantity of it feels like I'm accomplishing more, if that makes sense. You know, think of it like, well, you can watch one episode of an hour-long show or two episodes of a 30-minute show. You know, it's kind of that whole thing. Like, it feels like you're making more progress by watching more of a thing than less of a thing, as generally you think, I think it would. Uh, So, you know, I've had my dives into, you know, Disney short films and, uh, you know, Looney Tunes shorts, um, Academy Award winning shorts, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, and I, I, th- my biggest issue with this is that I don't spread things out. You know, I, I'm either watching 10 of them at once or none, as the case may be. And I finally actually uh, found a list uh, on Letterboxd, really great list, uh, so far. Uh, and if you have any interest in short films, I encourage you to check it out. It's on Letterboxd. Um, it's called Very Good and Very very Short and Very Good, Countless Less Than 10 Minute Shorts, and Where to Watch Them, generally on YouTube or Vimeo. I'll link the whole list in uh, the, sh- the show description for this episode. And I'm going to try and knock off a couple of these every day. Like, that's my new plan. Uh, you know, as of right now, I've seen 184 of the 762 shorts on this list. So let's say I do two a day. Um, there's 578 left to go. So that's 289 days. So in less than a year, I'll finish this list, give or take. You know, I'm sure there'll be days where I want to watch more, but um, rough guideline, rough guideline. So uh, today's episode, as I said in the opening, is going to be mostly just a, you know, I've watched almost a dozen of these things in the last day or so, and just kind of me going through some of them and commenting on them, you know, I find that they're very easy to, you know, some of them are like two or three minutes long, they're super easy to just YouTube search, and, you know, more often than not, for most short films, the reward for the amount of investment is generally very high. You know, if you watch a two-minute short and it makes you laugh once, 
you know, how many movies that are 90 minutes long do you laugh 45 times? You know, probably not a lot. You know, even the best comedies aren't that dense. So I, I think it's a generally pretty strong, generally pretty strong rep, uh, film method. I also think people don't really pay enough attention to short films. It's got three categories at the Oscars. And they're generally the three categories that no one can predict because no one has any idea, no one's seen any of them. And that's a shame. There have been some fantastic films uh, nominated for Oscars and not nominated for Oscars, just in general, uh, that are short films. Um, You know, short films generally classified as something less than 40 minutes. Um, I prefer my short films in like, the under 10 minute range. And I think that once you get into the 15, 20, 25 minute range, uh, it loses something. Um, it sort of becomes more of like a novella as opposed to like flash fiction in, in a sense. And it's much more difficult to parlay things like that into cognizant, into like a, a relevant story it never feels long or short enough most of the time it's tough some some there are plenty of films that fall in that spot that definitely warrant being in the 20 to 30 minute range but more often than not i found that if it's 40 it might as well be 60 and if it's 20 it can probably be 10 my experience uh for example you know in my top 250 as of right this second there are six short films um and uh um, and so you've got uh, World of Tomorrow, which is a uh, Hertzfeld film, Don Hertzfeld, uh, one of the more recognizable short film artists of contemporary short films. I think he was robbed at the Oscars when his when World of Tomorrow was nominated for Best Animated Short. Totally should have won. Um, it's incredible. It's it's a sci-fi film, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, Hedgehog in the Mist is an older film from 1975. It's in a foreign language. It's very short, but it's 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 very dense. I've seen it a handful of times, and I think it has a lot of layers to it for such an for an animated, generally speaking, kids film. Um, the other film, short film that makes in makes into my top 100 is La Jete from 1962. I watched this in a science fiction class uh, that I took in college, and there's not a lot of movement. It's mostly still images, but uh, it is, and it's been a long time since I've seen it since college, but I do remember it being very invoking of a lot of different things, a lot of different things. And I, I think it's one of the more well-regarded short films across time. Uh, outside the top of my top 100, there's Logo Rama, which is a best animated short film winner released in 2009. Um, mostly just about consumerism. There's the Disney animated film that also won best animated short uh, from 2012 is Paper Man, which is just a gloriously animated short film. And lastly, from 1902, is A Trip to the Moon. Uh, it's a little longer than, like, it's not five minutes long, 
Uh, but it's one of the first films. Um, it's notable for a lot of historical reasons uh, in film, film history. But be that as may, like I find that film so enjoyable, so engaging, so fun to see, and I think, yeah, I think it's it's definitely I think it's still a film to be well to be regarded today, in my opinion. I, I'm a big big fan of A Trip to the Moon. But uh, that's so you know I I've, I hold a spe- I have a special place in my heart for short films, and so I'm gonna try and talk more about them. Uh, I think they deserve a little bit more spotlight, and they're a lot easier to consume. So we'll see. Uh, I'm gonna jump in, talk about ten or so of them, and that'll be it. This will be a lot shorter than the review episode from Monday. Definitely. I mean, there's a lot less to talk about. So, uh, in chronological order, as to, uh, according to how when I saw them, the first is this short film called A Way In. Um, it features Emma Stone, and it generally outlines uh, her explaining to a director what her method and her route into a specific character is. Uh, it's her newest role, and she kind of explains to him, hey, look, uh, this is you know this girl I'm playing. The only way you know the best thing for her, the thing that like, you know the, what the 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 method I'm using to portray her and what I think that that will really capture her spirit is magic. And proceed to watch Emma Stone be incredibly cute and adorable and just very fun and decent at magic, depending on how much credit you want to give the film crew who made the film. Uh, it's really cute. It's really funny. Emma Stone's great in it. I gave it uh, on Letterboxd. I gave it two stars, which equates to a forty-something on my spreadsheet. Uh, but I do like it. Uh, so, like, I negatively rated it because it is very slight. Um, but as most super short films are, uh, it's tough to, you know, it's mostly just set up a joke, pay off the joke in a lot of short films and it's tough to find a film two minutes long that's able to buck that trend this one doesn't but for what it is it's incredibly rewarding um showed it to my girlfriend she laughed she enjoyed it super enjoyable emma stone's adorable it's about all you need to know uh next up is uh, a, li- a much better short film, in my opinion. Um, this one's from 1999. It's called Outer Space, uh, directed by Peter Cherkasky. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie The Entity, which I haven't, uh, The Entity starring Barbara Hershey. Uh, this film also stars Barbara Hershey. Um, but it's basically additional footage from The Entity that didn't make it into the film that Peter Cherkasky uh, cut, re-edited, folded, um, and, and just kind of split into this sort of amalgamation of images that follow Barbara Hershey, enter a house, and, you know, just, just suddenly the film starts to cut, starts to crackle, uh, all presumably from this perspective of essentially an entity, you know, like, it's it's a very horrific film. It makes it it gives off this very strange, uh, unnerving vibe, 
and it's 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 kind of scary it's very scary actually uh it's it's very creative and inventive as a film you know it's only about 10 minutes long and you know i wouldn't say that like barb hershey really acts in it you know everything that's happening on this in this film is being crafted and uh adjusted by Cherkasky. like he is sculpting every single thing you know whether there's four images of hershey on screen you know what you know making what she's doing sync up with what he's doing with the film and the way he's adjusting the camera it, it's 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 truly something really unique uh and you know it kind of reminded me of Lajete in a little bit uh Lajete, um i think is a bit more deep and uh has more dimensions to it than outer space does but this is a very original avant-garde kind of film and uh, something that i particularly found very high in quality so outer space from 1999 uh, peter Tchaikovsky, barbara hershey uh, next up this might be a film that a lot of people are familiar with it's kind of a meme not one that i was ever a part of i totally missed the boat uh it's from last year 2016 called high stranger it essentially consists of a naked claymation figure laying stomach down with an extremely large buttocks talking to you in a super soothing voice um and he opens with hi stranger and he proceeds to talk directly to you the viewer and compliment you and etc 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 is really weird i gave it one and a half star uh, i gave outer space four stars so about an 80 something on my spreadsheet i gave high stranger one and a half stars so 30 something and you know it's it's cute i guess uh you know i'm not a big fan of this short but it's definitely unusual uh it's been you know made fun of and parodied already to death probably and it's time has come and passed but i just got around to seeing it now high stranger it's worth a laugh if you've if you've definitely especially if you've never heard of what i'm talking about check it out it's probably gonna make you giggle or snort a little bit in one way or another high stranger 2016 uh the next one i watched uh, from 2013 is um, another sort of short film genre, and that's short films that were adapted into feature films. Uh, so this one in particular is called Lights Out. Perhaps you went and saw Lights Out from 2016. This is the short film that that is based on. Uh, same director, uh, none of the same cast, however. And it generally has the same conceit. You know, when the lights are out, there's a thing there. When the lights are on, it's nothing. Uh, think of uh, the angels in... Uh, Doctor Who, something like that. Uh, in this particular film, uh, it's far more condensed than the feature-length film is, which, in my opinion, I think runs long and almost abuses its uh, main conceit. Even this short film almost runs long. I think the finale. I think I, I don't know. I don't. I don't like the way it ended because it 
directly contradicts its major conceit, but the f- opening half of this is terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. And I already I mentioned before, like I'm not a big uh, scary movie guy. Yeah, it doesn't matter how short they are. I will say that I was able to watch the entire screen of this one without hiding it from myself or blocking out the noise. But it's only three minutes long. Lights out. I gave it two stars, a 40-something. Um, same director as Annabelle Creation, as it turns out. I think Annabelle Creation is a slightly better movie overall, but this one is very effective. Uh, next up is a 2008 film called Next Floor. This is directed by Denny Villeneuve, director of Arrival, Incendies, uh, director of Prisoners, of Enemy, of Sicario. He's made some great films. Uh, I haven't disliked any of his films, Next Floor included. Uh, I gave it two and a half stars, so right in the middle in the 50s for me. Uh, The biggest issue I found with it, it looks amazing for a short film. It's about 10 minutes long. And it's very intriguing, it's very compelling, but it doesn't have any kind of resolution. You know, none of your questions are answered. It's kind of just an allegory at at most. And I came to the realization that for me, Villeneuve really needs a feature-length film to get across a story that he's trying to tell. Because 10 minutes is just not enough. Or maybe it's 8 minutes, I don't remember. Uh, 10-ish. Because this is good, like it's okay, and I think doubling the length of this, like if this were twenty minutes, and he had time to like set up the scene and write like scripts for these characters, and um, really just kind of, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, just like give it more respect and give it more attention. I think it could have been like fantastic. As it is, it's fine. Uh, I still, you know, Daniel Villeneuve is still one of my favorite directors, uh, particularly right now. I'm super excited to see uh, his take on Blade Runner. Uh, and he even has a couple, one or I think one feature-length film I haven't seen of his, maybe, at least. Like, he's got 17 credits on Letterboxd. Uh, two of those are films that aren't out yet. Three of them are films that aren't out yet. So, and a couple of these look like short films as well. So, a lot of films from his. I'm super just excited by anything his name's attached to. And uh, this one's okay. It's definitely a good uh, launching point if you want to get an idea of, like, what his style is. So, next floor, Denis Villeneuve. Okay. Um, next, we have an older film from 1963. Uh, this is a short film called Mothlight. Uh, Mothlight is about three and a half minutes long, directed by Stan Breakage. Uh, it's very different from all the ones I've talked about already. It's not really filmed. Uh, it's more like some. It's more like he took. Uh, slides of insects and wings and various things uh, like leaves and branches and whatnot and uh, he just kind of snapshotted them and then assembled them 
in an array and an order, uh, you know, insects and stuff. And, you know, he, he messes with the colors, he messes with the, uh, he just kind of adjusts the perspective. And the idea behind this film is that, you know, it's very short, but it's supposed to give you the impression of what a moth would see in its lifetime. And I think it's pretty damn accurate. You know, it's it's pretty much what I would expect to see in my life as a moth. You, you, if you've seen them, they kind of flap around unstably. They're not just kind of soaring on the air. They're like up and down, up and down, up and down. Their vision has got to be like so sporadic and and unstable that you can't really focus on any one image, any one object, which is exactly what this film does. It's not focusing on one object you don't see a light and go toward the light you just kind of like flit around and like here you'll see a wing there you'll see an ant there you see a door a leaf another wing and and you have to try and piece together the world from all these different fragments and that's real scary actually uh, but i think that the film itself is pretty unique and pretty interesting and something that if you give it the chance to, it will enlighten you in a, in a way and put you in a different perspective than you're used to. Um, and so I, I liked it. I liked it in that respect. I gave it three and a half stars, so in the 70s for me. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not familiar with Stan Breakage. Um, well, apparently I am, and I just wasn't really aware of it. I've seen three of his films now. I'm trying to see if it'll tell me which ones. Oh my gosh, they all have the same freaking faces. Um, there's a 2002 film I saw called Max uh, about a cat. That it's. Oh no, I haven't seen that. It's, I thought it was faded. It seemed faded. Jeez, he's made a ton of movies. Um, Mothlight is his most popular. Another one he's made was that I've seen is I Myth, which I didn't, I thought was decent. Uh, it's more abstract. It's even shorter. It's actually only like 12 seconds. It's one of the shortest films I've seen. I really enjoy it. Uh, his other third film that I've seen, I've seen, I've seen twice. One of my favorite uh, short films is called Window Water Baby Moving. And it's kind of just... Uh, Stan Breakage filming uh, his wife giving birth in like a bathtub. Fairly straightforward. And it's it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful movie. And I... Wow. I'm going to try and watch more Stan Breakage. Next up, uh, we have a 2014 film. A short called He Took His Skin Off For Me. Uh, this is one that actually has more of a narrative to it. Uh, it's narrated by the female character, uh, played by Anna McGuire. And the male, her partner in this relationship, has decided to take his skin off for her. Quite literally. Uh, he spends the entire film in red, bloody flesh. Uh, all practical makeup which is really impressive. 
and it's kind of just like presenting this idea of being open and being transparent and sharing everything with somebody else and uh, putting trust and faith into this other person. It's sacrificing for them and all of the things that go along with that. And what I think is quite amazing that this movie does is that, you know, the only words you hear are this narration from uh, Anna McGuire's character. And you never really get to see what, hear what uh, her partner's thinking. But visually, you see what he's thinking. You see the difference in the way they act with each other. You see how his decision has affected them so much. And at first, it's kind of strange, like, there's a person who doesn't have any skin. But by the end of it, I was a little torn because I think that the film presents this situation as, yeah, he did something kind of crazy, and you're not really sure how to feel about that. But at the other hand, like, he put himself out there for her. He risked something. And she didn't reciprocate that. And so that in and of itself is its own dilemma. And the film really walks this tight line between those two things. And it does so pretty well, in my opinion. Uh, so I gave this three stars. Um, I didn't like it officially, but it's it's good. It's I think it drags on a little long at 11 minutes. You know, 11 minutes, so long. But I kind of understood what the film was trying to say after, like, the third or fourth minute. So I think it should have either tried to say something else or or dug deeper into what it was presenting uh, or been shorter personally. But, you know, that's just me. He took his skin off for her. Uh, Next up is a 2000 2000 film called The Heart of the World. Uh, This is... A very a film very reminiscent of like the 19 aughts. Honestly, it's not exactly a contemporary type of film in presentation. It seems like a short film. It's only six minutes long. Uh, but the general con- plot is uh, this female scientist is studying the Earth's core, and it determines that the heart of the world is dying. And she needs to fix it. Meanwhile, there are two guys uh, who are trying to pull, uh, draw her love, her attention, and they both are interested in her romantically. You know, it's directed by Guy Madden, who is another kind of short film guy. I've seen one film of his uh, that's actually a feature-length film called The Forbidden Room. Uh, starring Roy Dupuis, Clara Fure, Louis Negan, and Udo Kier, uh, Matthew Amalric, Geraldine Chaplin. Uh, there's some names. Caroline Davernis. Okay, there's Charlotte Rampling. Finding more names that I'm familiar with. Uh, and like this is a film that is very, very odd and strange and unique. One that I didn't really connect with, uh, but I definitely connected with the heart of the world, uh, for sure. It's 
It's very complex. For a six minute film, this is like super packed. Uh, this could even, this could have been definitely longer and still kept up its pace and, and, and not felt rushed. Uh, but even as it is, like I'm, I'm incredibly impressed with what he's able, what Madden is able to put into this small, short film. And on top of that, you have this added layer of him using and presenting the film in a style that is very, very familiar with like the 1900s, 1910s, 1920s. And so for it to come out in 2000, a hundred years after this kind of style was popular, and I would even say a hundred years after the style like stopped being used whatsoever, uh, is sort of his way of hearkening back to that time and saying like, look, we've made a lot of progress in a hundred years as far as film goes, but we shouldn't forget like just what goals everyone had a hundred years ago and what they were trying to do with their making film. Like they weren't making films for money. They're making films for enjoyment. They're making films to entertain. They're making films because they loved doing it because they were interested in the medium. And Guy Madden clearly seems interested in the medium. And this is a beautiful film that displays that wholeheartedly. So I really like this. Uh, liked this. The Heart of the World, I gave it four stars. So that puts it in the 80s for me. And I highly recommend it. It's, it's very unique and very interesting. Heart of the World. Um, I got three more to go. Uh, this one next one is more far more contemporary. It came out last year, 2016. It's called Australian Psycho, a parody on American Psycho, starring Christian Bale. This short film stars Margot Robbie, uh, who, in the movie, uh, in if you've if you haven't seen uh, American Psycho, that is the name of it, right? Like, for some reason, I have this sinking sensation that it's not American Psycho. But it is. Okay, I'm not crazy. Uh, there's a scene in American Psycho where Christian Bale's character goes through his daily beauty routine. He's like, I use this shampoo, and I use this body cleanse, I use this, 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 this. That's how it does. This is essentially three minutes of Margot Robbie playing that scene and explaining how she prepares to look as beautiful as she is. Um, there's, you know, it's it's funny. It's... It, it, it really, it's very satirical as far as American Psycho go is concerned. You know, Robbie is actually really good in this. Um, it's half documentary, half mockumentary, half parody. And it's just a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's enjoyable, it's entertaining, and kind of along the same lines as the Emma Stone short film, uh, a way in this is also very slight you know i gave it two stars he it's it's a little bit better than a way in i think but it's still very much in the same vein it's not saying a lot it's just presenting itself at face value which is great for what it is like as it is it's really fun totally enjoyable but it doesn't really remark to amount to much else besides that. 
Australian Psycho, Margot Robbie, two stars. Next up, we have a documentary called Flying Padre from 1951, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Um, Every film I've seen with that name on it, I've liked, I've thought is good, and not this one. Uh, It's very short, and it's about a, a pastor who uses a small biplane to get to parishes that are like out on islands or out on, you know, hard to reach places. Like, great. I, I mean, there's not much else here besides that. There's no special tricks. It doesn't have any of Kubrick's flair. It's, you know, my review on Letterboxd basically says that it now ha- gives Kubrick a film to sit at the bottom of his filmography because it's bad. I gave it one star. I mean, yeah, it basically it, it's 10 minutes of film it, telling me something that I could learn in like two sentences, essentially. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very inconsequential. Flying Padre, one star. And finally, perhaps the most contemporary film on this list, one that most of you that listen to this might be familiar with, have it already seen, and that's Team Thor Part 2. Uh, I've seen, I first saw the first Team Thor last year, I think, um, which features Thor and what he's kind of been doing during Marvel's Civil War film, which he was uh, not there for, and it involves him spending time with this roommate of his named Daryl, Uh, and kind of just getting into hijinks and being a fish out of the water. Team Thor Part 2 continues from this with this trend and just kind of adds to it. Honestly, it doesn't really try to reinvent the wheel. It was just, it's just cute. It's funny. Chris Hemsworth is adorable and YTT has a great sensibility for this kind of a thing. So one gets me really excited for Ragnarok. Um... And I would love to see more about the more Team Thor videos. I think they're really enjoyable, really fun, and super entertaining. Uh, I gave this one three stars. I gave the first part one three and a half stars. I think it's a little bit better. And I think the first part is actually the best Thor film to date. Uh, better than the first Thor, better than the Dark World. Hopefully Ragnarok can top all of them, but remains to be seen. And uh, yeah, Team Thor Part 2 is like one minute long, so it's actually the shortest thing of all of them. Uh, I would absolutely die if there was a reference to Daryl in Ragnarok at all. Even if I have to like find it in a YouTube video pointing out the Easter eggs, I would just, I would love that. That would make me so happy. I hope YTD does it. Who knows? Fingers crossed. Uh, So Team Thor Part 2, three stars. Yeah. Uh, So those are all the short films I've got for you. Um, Hopefully, you know, we'll see. I might try to do this more often. Uh, I might just throw a couple of these at the end or the beginning of an episode on other stuff. Uh, We'll see going forward. Um, uh, This episode's coming out Wednesday. uh, And... (laughs) 
after this part, I'm going to have about six or so minutes uh, talking about the Fantasy Movie League as far as the Cinerealists go. Before I get into that, uh, some other stuff that kind of pertains to more people than that segment will. Uh, I'm going to be on vacation from Saturday until Tuesday. I am expecting to be able to record enough content and episodes to cover myself through till next Wednesday before I leave so that there won't be any hitch in episodes coming out. Um, I will at least have an episode for Friday at the very least. Uh, and if I know by that point that there's going to be some problems, I'll be able to let you know then. But at, as the moment, as of the moment, I'm intending to have the next three episodes after this one completely covered before I leave. Um, yeah. So, uh, stick around if you're interested in hearing about the Fantasy Movie League and the scene realist. The first week's done, and I'm just going to kind of sum it up and go over some of the key elements from it and do like 20 seconds preview for week two. Um, but other than that, uh, that's it. So, uh, here we go. Uh, Fantasy Movie League. Sink into our seats, ride us, they dimmed out all the lights. A technicolor world made out of music and machine. I mean, how hard can that be? The first week of the Fantasy Movie League for the Cinerealists is done uh, for fall 2017. And uh, this is going to be my short, hopefully brief and short check-in on just a little update to see where things stand after the first week. Uh, the PC uh, for week number one, Perfect Cineplex, was two screens of The Hitman's Bodyguard, one Annabelle Creation, one Wind River, and four Despicable Me 3s. Despicable Me 3 was the best performer this week. And zero people were able to meet Matt, find that uh, Cineplex in the Cinerealist League. Uh, so no one hit uh, a perfect Cineplex. And actually, no one kind I mean, like, as far as, like, the screens that people picked, no one actually that came too close. Um, but we have three people sitting atop the lead right now uh, with who all played five Annabelles, one Wind River, and two Despicable Me's, the best Cineplex in the league for us, uh, which garnered $64 million, uh, which would be... Um, just let me see here what the maximum from this week could have been. Uh, and that is 69.6. Uh, so... Uh, $5.6 million off of the best Cineplex. And when you factor in that 5 of that 5.6 is the perfect Cineplex bonus, they were $600,000 away. Uh, so it was a very, very close run uh, between the perfect Cineplex and the number one Cineplex in the Cinerealist League. Uh, so who are those three people? That would be uh, last year, last season's champion Rybone, uh, the make sure I get this one right. Um, spring 2017's champion Shawbin, that's Zach, and uh, who and the one who won the week is Xanadu's Fantasy Picture Showcase Three. Uh, he had the best lineup as well as the earliest 
uh, lock time of anyone. So he ends up winning the week, and that would be his third week one uh, in the five seasons that he's been playing since the beginning. Uh, with his third season one, that puts him tied with the Flex and Swagner for total weeks one, and behind only the people who have won, being uh, myself, Keel Music, Rybone, and Zach. So there's that. Um, additionally, uh, so some other notable things. Uh, Perks Plus finished. Perks Plex finished in fourth. Keel Music and the Box Officer tied for fifth. Yo JRB, that's James, finished in seventh. I finished in eighth. MJ Labo in ninth, and Sven Cinema in tenth. Uh, I'm only gonna do the top ten. That's the top half. Like that's more than enough. Uh, only six people total even played at least a screen of Despicable Me 3, the best performer. Um, Xanadu, Zach, and Rybone all played two each. Uh, James actually played three of them, uh, and actually the most best performers from this week. MJ Labo and The Flex each played one. Uh, everyone else came in with zero, and uh, it cost them. It cost them big. Uh, that's kind of, it wasn't a big week, you know, the difference between the top 64 million and you know, the bottom 42 million is very small in a given, in this week, especially when you can, you know, you look at some of these lineups at the bottom, uh, you know, we have uh, Film Obsessed who had five screens of Tulip Fever, which bombed this weekend at the box office, and yet, you know, he's still like completely in contention going forward like it's not a huge gap you know it's very easy to make up 20 million in a week generally uh this week kind of being an exception so uh all that being said uh what are we looking for in week two we have it being released in week two and it is split it is a three-day movie you can choose to play friday saturday or sunday at your own discretion, depending on how big of an impact you think Hurricane Irma is going to have, depending on uh, football season starting, depending on pre-sales for Thursday night, uh, depending on the fact that it's rated R for younger kids, all this, all these things factoring into that. And then uh, beyond that, you've got a ton of uh, movies just kind of lumped together at the bottom. Um, You've got Nutjob 2, Emoji Movie, Girls Trip, Despicable Me 3, Spider-Man Homecoming, Logan Lucky, Dunkirk, Leap, Annabelle Creation, all under $50 this week. Uh, you've got Home Again, uh, which is the other new release this week, starring Reese Witherspoon. Feels kind of priced out of contention for me, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? And then you've also got Hitman's Bodyguard and Wind River at $71 and $55, respectively. Uh, I'm, I mean, you gotta pretty much have to play it this week in some form, or you're playing all the home agains. So, and I personally, I don't feel like that's the right call at the moment. We'll see when theater counts come out, uh, and Thursday numbers are definitely going to be really important this week, but yeah, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, that's it. We're going to play this one out. Hopefully we're going to get much bigger numbers uh, in our box office totals this week than we did last week. You know, it is likely to make more than $64 million, which would be on its own bigger than 
anyone did last week. So here's hoping. Um, and that's it. Yeah, that was pretty easy. Uh, yeah, it was about as long as I thought it was going to be, five to ten minutes. Um, you know, uh, with perfect cineplexes, and later on in the season, it's probably going to get a little more complex. Um, oh, I guess I guess one last thing would be, based on the seating right now, uh, Xanadu finished seventh last season, and is currently ranked first this season. Uh, Shawbin, Zach is second and second, and um, numbers six and seven, the box officer and Yo JRB James, have moved up from fifteenth and sixteenth respectively uh, at the moment. Again, first week. A lot of moving and shaking to still be done, but uh, just a little, little incentive for everybody. So that's that's the fantasy movie league for the cine realists, and that's going to be it. Thank you for listening. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, or answers, you can direct those to circleoffilm at gmail.com. If you are interested in the website, interested in the spreadsheet, in me, and any of the other things revolving around the podcast. You can find most of the answers to your questions at circleoffilm.com. If you are interested in uh, donating money to me, if you appreciate the podcast, if you want to show how much you like it uh, in any monetary sort of way, you can check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash circleoffilm to see if anything over there, any of the goals, any of the rewards, uh, pique your interest. There's a lot. Um, um, but, uh, or you can go back to the episode I had on Patreon, which will outline all the goals and rewards and things like that as well. Um, and as always have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades.